Hey, what's up, Sales Lift Nation? It's your host, Tyler Lindley. Today, I have my buddy Ben Straup on the podcast. Hey, Ben, how you doing? Great, man. Glad to be back. Yeah, glad to be back. The first two-time guest on the Sales Lift podcast, so congratulations for that honor, Ben. Wow, I had no idea. Yeah, well, great. now you do. Now you do. So excited to be chatting again again today. Uh, ben is the president of Velocity Strategy Solutions. HubSpot partner does some fantastic work. And today we're going to be talking about building a revenue operating system for your business. Ben, what the hell does that even mean? A revenue operating system? What does that mean to you? Yeah, no, it's a fair question. And it's, it's a way that I'm talking about the core tenets of how we bring people together, eliminate complexity, reduce the friction, and make sure that we're actually working together in a coordinated fashion to drive revenue. And I think what I like about that term is that we all have to agree on a certain framework. We have to agree on certain measures and dimensions. We have to agree on different processes, workflows, and permission systems. And those are all core tenants that really do kind of gum up the revenue process. You know, oftentimes what happens is marketing is operating under a certain paradigm, sales is operating under a certain paradigm, service is operating under a certain paradigm, opera, and then management is operating under a certain paradigm, all of which value things differently. And I think the easiest way to say it is we've all got to start speaking the same language. We all have to share the same scorecard and we all have to be moving in the same direction. And if we can do that, that's where momentum takes place. So it's really just kind of an organic term that's emerged as a way to describe what that end result might feel like. So it sounds to me like it's similar to like revenue operations, which I know is something that you're passionate about. Is it basically just the framework for revenue operations? Is that what it means in your mind, you think? So I think there's a kind of a separate there. I think they are two different things. So revenue operations is, is certainly the fundamental technical aspect of how do you enable an organization to drive revenue. But sometimes what often happens is that doesn't do a good job at non-revenue stakeholders at describing the value that revenue operations has to them. So if a revenue operating system, what that does is that actually brings everybody to the table and says that this is something by which we are all going to participate and benefit from. So it's something for everyone, not just something that describes something. And what often happens is that, you know, as particularly as revenue operations matures and kind of comes into its own, the risk is now it becomes its own department. Mm. And now you have a fourth uh, or fifth stakeholder (laughs) uh, in the process and you have another silo that's just preventing people from working together in a collaborative and interdependent way. Yep. Do you think that it should be its own department? Should it have its own silo, if you will? Or do you think, is there a different way that's better in your mind? So I would say that revenue operations is the foundation upon which all revenue should be built, if you will. So, you know, we think about, you know, we both know, are familiar with HubSpot. You've got the contact database that kind of sits as the foundation, and then you've got the different hubs that you can plug into it. And I kind of look at revenue operations as the enabler, right? It's built the infrastructure, the roads, all of the traffic signs and all of that kind of stuff to enable people to be able to move from one place to the next safely and securely. And so then each aspect of that organization, marketing, sales, service, and management, plug into revenue operations in order to be able to extract the value out of it that's relevant to their context. Right. Given that this is across the revenue side of the organization, 
where do you start, right? Because you've got all these different facets of the business. How do you get started if you're going to try to build this RevOps or revenue operating system in your organization? Where's the first place that you start? So I, I start with a, a three-step process of frame, focus, and grow. And I think yep. it's the best way to describe it. First of all, you have to understand current reality. And the truth is everybody defines their reality based on their perspective of the situation. Mm-hmm. And so this is what's often most frustrating is executive leaders are speaking a different language, even if they're using the same words than somebody who's a marketing leader or a sales leader or a service leader. And so we all have to agree on what the problem or the opportunity is. And if we don't all agree on that, then there's no way that we're looking at the same thing in the same way. And so sometimes that's achieved by having a common scorecard. These are the things that matter because this is the end result that we want. And this is often an exercise that doesn't get enough attention where you might have a top end revenue goal for the company, or you might have other things like ARR, MRR goals, or uh, so much in the client acquisition or, or customer acquisition side of it. Those kind of high level goals, but it's not been cascaded down and contextualized to how each department contributes to that so that you don't have, so that each element that's part of that success understands what that success looks like within their realm of control. So once that happens, once you have that common scorecard, now we're all agreeing that success is success. So that frame part is really, really important. And I find that oftentimes when you dig into that, you realize that you don't, you're not using the same measures. You're not using the same dimensions. You're not using the same vocabulary. We, we solved that. Now we're having productive conversations. Yep. The second part of that is focus is what is success for each individual part of that. And that's part of that cascading reality. Once you decide on that, then you have the two pivot points, right? You have where you are and then where you want to be, current reality versus preferred future. And now it's how in fact do we march toward that? And there's two ways that we do that. There's one really spending the time to capture existing business processes, permission systems, and workflows, and then coming back and saying, do we want to have those persist? Or do we want to augment those? And how much are we willing to allow for exception as things develop over time? Sometimes you can fix things because you already know that they're a problem and they're a consistent problem. And we know what the input and source of that problem is. And so we can fix that immediately. Sometimes we need to observe how people are using it. And we just need to create a way for that observation to take place. And then we can go in and look at common exceptions. I mean, this is true on the service side, right? You start managing the tickets and you start looking at common things and that either leads to training or knowledge base or something that's in augments in the product marketing and sales process to alleviate that valve from being a trigger point anymore. Yep. Yep. I totally agree. You talk about the common scorecard. It sounds like that, and that's a part of the framing, right, Ben? Absolutely. Absolutely. How do you go about, like if I was an organization wanting to create that common scorecard to frame up this RevOps engine, is that just like getting everybody in the room and hashing out what does our present reality look like? What is that desired future state? Is that as simple as just meeting and coming to terms or what does that look like in practice? I think we have to define that by how does that influence decisions and behavior at every level. So revenue, customer acquisition, you know, MRR, ARR, growth, all of those kinds of things are lagging indicators. Mm-hmm. So yes, we need to account for those. And yes, we need to understand where the dependencies, the risks, and the opportunities are. But we also need to carry those back 
to what are the leading indicators. So leading indicators are, are what we can control, they're inputs that allow us to be able to build out that scorecard. So the scorecard needs to have a combination of both. And the yep. scorecard needs to give everyone clarity around what was I successful today? A scorecard should tell each individual contributor, once you've done the work to cascade it down, did I hit the mark today or not? So yep. for instance, you know, you work with a lot of SDRs, they can't, you know, telling them to achieve a revenue goal probably isn't actionable. It's something that they want to do, but it's not something they can go through every single day and do right. unless you're selling widgets, right? So what are the things that we know lead to opportunities that are most likely to close? And we just literally do that regressive analysis that says, here's our closed one, here's our closed loss. Let's model them back through the pipeline and then pre-pipeline, how do we model them into the marketing um, area? And what can we learn about the friction or the velocity through that pipeline that allows us to be able to understand what they look like earlier in the process? So then if we can take that down to the number of phone calls, the number of contacts, the number of activities, the number of notes, the number of, of things that ultimately result in opportunity creation, now you've created a universe that you know is consistent and aligned with what the corporate goals are, but is completely actionable by that particular individual. And if you carry that down by quarter, by month, by week, and even by day, which is very possible to do, now every day I can log in as an SDR, as a single individual contributor, and I can see what were my activity levels, where my new contacts were created, whatever those things are that are part of it that are going to lead to that. And so it's just like you would manage an AE toward the close rate and volume and type of client and product, you would manage an SDR based on the world and universe that they can can yeah. uh, they can control. Because if we'll demonstrate those behaviors, everything happens. And you know this, I mean, it's the basic thing. If you're not talking to anybody, you'll never sell something. If you talk to enough people, you're going to determine who's qualified and who's not. Enough qualified conversations are going to lead to opportunities, have enough opportunities, it's going to close. But that sounds really pithy and it sounds really good at a sales seminar, um, but it's (laughs) completely non-helpful to send a revenue scorecard to every single person in the company unless you also help them understand how their success and what is that success and what behaviors contribute to that success. Until that's happened, then you're just looking at it and going, wow, I hope we get it. Yeah. And that's a, an unfortunate place to be. So, yeah. And sometimes those inputs are simply normal actions that just need to be accounted for in the process. I'm a huge proponent of a daily shutdown scorecard for that individual contributor, whether that be the SDR, that individual marketer or service provider. I think that they should have a daily shutdown scorecard that has all of those inputs, those leading indicators, right, that they're responsible for that can get to those outputs. Are you a fan of having that on a daily basis for the individual contributors, like a shutdown scorecard that basically they it holds them accountable to those leading indicators that they are contributing to the organization? Absolutely. It has to be something at minimum, it's a seven day scorecard. And best case scenario, you've got a, a daily scorecard. But as a manager, you should know where your people are moving away. Are they moving up, down or sideways in relation to their quarterly outcomes at least a minimum every five to seven days because you have multiple opportunities to course correct if in fact that's taking place or to identify friction points that might improve things. 
things. And so the earlier you can intervene when a variable or variance is being observed, then the sooner you can resolve it before it becomes a, a real impediment to that growth. The other thing that I think is important is with scorecards, we sometimes use them as, as a way to kick people in the teeth. <laughs> and that's not it at all. I mean, we all have to be accountable for certain results. There's no question about it. I'm not saying everyone gets a participation trophy, but we should use the, the variance, positive or negative, of those scorecards to have higher level conversations, particularly at the supervisor and the manager level of saying, what is this telling us about, are we getting in our own way of this success? Mm -hmm. Is there a way to reduce the friction in this particular area? Is there a way to increase the volume of this type of behavior because we like this or we don't like that? And that's an opportunity to bring operations to the strategy table where we start to map those out and look at them as risks. In project management world, we would call those risks and how do we mitigate those risks as we move through it. And so it may be just, may identify it as just a neutral variable at that particular point, but there may be a couple of things that are really, really key. If we, if we find out that it takes somebody on average a day and a half to produce a proposal because they've got to get 19 signatures in order to get out, that could cause some real delay in mm-hmm. increasing the volume of proposals, right? Because in order to achieve that, keeping it a day and a half, you've actually got to spend less time actually finding new opportunities that might need a proposal. So we've got to just play with those valves until we get the right systems attuned in the right ways that really allow that throughput to take place. And once you get those predictable measures, then it's just a matter of volume. That's where all of a sudden marketing, sales, and service, and management in particular can start having the same conversation and really productive conversations because you're looking at the same problem from multiple vantage points, which gives you a greater appreciation for what each person plays, the role that they play in success, but also helps you attribute who helped you be successful, which I think is also a benefit of a scorecard. Mm-hmm. Yep. You bring up management, you know, and it sounds like you feel like that is a really important, you know, I mean, we hear a lot about revenue alignment and you hear about marketing sales and success or service, but you know, that management layer is sometimes kind of glossed over. Whereas that's a, it's a key part of the process. They set the tone, right, for this alignment and for buy-in on RevOps and making sure that there is a message that is resonating throughout the organization. What role does management play in this process, do you think, Ben? Oh, they make or break it. So the purpose of this process is to enable everyone to be more successful. And But what happens is in order for that to be true, the manager has to believe that their fundamental goal is to enable other people to be successful. But what often happens on the revenue side of the house is that we promote substantial individual contributors into management roles. Because if you're a great revenue leader, you're a great revenue generator, you're going to be a great revenue leader. False. (laughs) (laughs) most of the time you're terrible at it because you think everyone exists to help you be even more successful. Now I've got a team to make me look even better. And that's exact opposite. As you move across that great divide, as we talked about, that manager then becomes, how do I make sure that every single person on my team has every opportunity possible to be successful? And where they are failing, it is on me as the manager to figure out the friction, not them, and to help them mitigate that friction. Now, sometimes the friction is they're just not a good fit, right? But that should be the last resort. Like that should be the very last thing, not throw everybody the wolves and wolves and see who survives. Yep. That is not going to be tolerated in the age of empathy that Jack Welch GE style of management either figure it out or we'll find somebody else who will. That's just not going to be how we're going to attract top talent. 
People want to know that you are standing right behind them when they fall to catch them. And they want to know you're going ahead of them to eliminate the friction as best as possible. And the more those lines of communication can stay open, you as a manager can do what you do best, which is resolving that friction. And they as a contributor can do what they do best, develop those relationships and drive that revenue. Yep. As companies are thinking about implementing, you know, these type of systems and levels of accountability in their organization, if they're looking at doing it in-house with existing resources or or bringing someone in-house versus bringing in an outsourced vendor or partner like Velocity, what should go through their mind as they try to make that decision about whether they should try to just do this in-house or outsource it and bring in a third-party partner to help with some of this? Well, I think one of the things that you have to acknowledge is the fact that companies have permission systems and those cultural permission systems are designed to be preserved. It's very hard to create movement from within the organization. That's just by design. It's inertia, right? Until a force is acted upon, it's going to continue in its current direction. So having somebody from the outside really creates some clarity. The other thing is that I think when you're dealing with multiple constituencies, Internally, you have to have somebody that either has the ability to step outside the organization and look at it from the outside in, or you have to have somebody from the outside in partner with somebody internally to help observe how things fit together. I mean, just very often, you're just too close to the situation. But on the revenue side of the house, there's just too much going on. The opportunity cost of stopping everything to allocate resources in order to do this without having an outside partner is just flat out too high. Mm-hmm. You've got to keep moving in that direction and then work for continuous improvement, which is what that culture of learning that, that we try to instill with the, all of our clients really is about. How do we create an environment where we're constantly learning, adapting, and growing both in our knowledge of how we work, but also in our success that's defined by what's most important? Yep. Any parting words of advice for someone building a revenue operating system? Make sure somebody owns the operations side of it. And until somebody does, it's going to be very hard to be able to create movement around the individual desire to cooperate. But even that has its own limitations. So highlighting and making space for that on the leadership team or in the management group means that you're bringing operations to the strategy table and that that is going to be a key part of how you're going to enable everyone else's success. I think that's probably the most important thing to keep in mind as we think about new structures of teams. Yep. Love it. Ben, how can my listeners find you online if they want to learn more about you? You can go to velocitystrategysolutions.com. You can sign up for a newsletter at thevelocityfactor.com. And of course, I'm active on Twitter and LinkedIn. Perfect. Awesome. Thanks, Ben. First two-time guest. We'll have to make it three at some point in the future. So, Absolutely. Thank you. All right. Thanks. See ya. Thank you so much for listening to today's show. You can find all the links discussed and the show notes at thesaleslift.com. That's the, T-H-E, sales, S-A-L-E-S, lift, L-I-F-T, dot com. Have questions for me? Email me at tyler at thesaleslift.com. We look forward to seeing you back here next week. And we hope today's show brings you the sales lift your business needs. Remember, ideas plus action equals results. You've got new ideas. Now it's time to take action and the results will follow. See you next time.